0: You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Today, we have a special guest. We have an athlete and bobsleigh representative. They were a sprinter for Team GB. They were part of the 4x1 team that finished 4th at the World Championships in Osaka. Um, they've got a really, really nice achievement here by breaking the British record in 100 meters with a time of 11.05. And in addition, they ran at the Beijing Olympics in 2008. In bobsleigh, she re- she's also represented Great Britain at the Winter Olympics and the Bobsleigh World Cup. A warm, warm, warm welcome to Miss Montel Douglas. How are you, Miss?
1: Hello, that's a, that was a lovely opening. I <laughs> uh, really appreciate that. Sometimes oh, you hear it, you're like, oh, he's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm really happy to be here. This is very, um, it's something I actually really wanted to do this year. And when you guys came, approached me, and with it, I was more, more than within. It's definitely something that I I'm interested in doing, and definitely about my own family.
2: I'm excited about it. Thank
0: you, thank you, thank that's good, you. That's good. So I guess we can return the favour. So Ed and I have been speaking about this for some time and Ed sings your praises. Um, You know, he regards you as a a world-class athlete and he finds it, well, in fact, both of us find it fascinating that you have represented Great Britain in two contrasting disciplines. So we really, really respect that and we really hope that the listeners get something from it. So <laughs> let's get started. Let's take it all the way back. <laughs> your first memory,
2: <laughs> <laughs> the door,
0: <laughs> what was your first memory, um, in regarding sport? So either playing or just watching, what was your first living memory
1: in sport in general? Yes, gosh, uh, oh, my first so sport. Do you know what actually really sport-wise? It would probably be like real living memory. Um, I used to play football. Football was my my first sport. Okay. At um, like ten, I my mean, dad I used to coach, and he coached like the Southern leagues even now, and he's a teacher. So I was a, the only girl on an all-boy football team at mm-hmm. ten years old. Um, and I, was, my, dad, my dad wanted to be England trial, All of that, he was like, yeah, I'm gonna play football. And it was I I loved I loved playing football, but I played centre forward, like I was striker. Yeah. So you know you score, and then everyone's like, "Yeah," and you got to run back. And then I was just the last person all the time getting the (laughs) last. Real talk, and my dad would be shouting on the sidelines. I would be vexed because I was just like, "Why is he shouting? This meant to be fun." (laughs) Obviously, I, I that was kind of for me understanding. Okay, like, what am I good at? I can move fast, but. I to need a little bit more recovery than my fellow, than my fellow teammate. And I, yeah. to me, that was my earliest memory because I, I did love, I loved football. I loved playing. I'm a huge Arsenal sports since 1996. Like, but honestly, like, oh, die hard. Um, and that was kind of like my first love. But I, as a sports person, you know, you do lots of sports when you get when you're young.
3: Yeah. And, and when did you realize that oh, athletics might be the one that stands out of, out of all the sports that you did when you were young?
1: So. So athletics to me, I'm not say late, I started in secondary school. Mm. So I literally just went to the secondary school in, in Bromley and we did PE athletics in the summer. That's yeah. how we started. We had an indoor sports hall. My teacher was like, you know, guys, pick a side, you run up, jump over the high jump bar. That was pretty much my earliest memories of doing sport. But I, I think naturally, obviously, I'm, I'm very tall. I was probably one of the most tall sprinters in the world. I'm 5'10". And even 11, you know, 11, 12 years old, I was about five and five, I'm taller than everyone else. So I was just good at high jump. My centre of mass is high, it's physics, done. And I broke the school records, like year 7, year 8, year 9, in high jump with no, like, no training. Just mm-hmm. literally just going up, getting over the bar. <laughs> and I had, ad- so I had nothing. So I, athletics kind of found me, I'd say, because um, I stumbled across it. And because I did sport, because I loved it, uh, just yeah. pure the fact that I'm, a, I'm an athletic person I love the challenge I love doing different things didn't matter what it was um, and I, I, I it drew me in because I was good at it um, and I kind of got scouted in that way from doing county school I got to county school level and my okay. coach my going to be my coach he saw oh. me and just said you know have you got you have a coach and I was like I haven't got a club I ain't got a coach got nothing so he's like you know come down like like a lot of people how they get scouted and that was it I joined mm. joined like, Romney, no. <laughs> then my lifelong club <laughs> um, yeah, I joined them and then the, the rest is history, really.
0: When did you first realise that you had a talent, or so to speak, you were a lot more advanced compared to your peers at your age?
1: Probably about like a minute ago when you just said that. <laughs> 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 I, was I was talking to my friends earlier and I was like, I never really, you don't really. I don't know if you really realize stuff like that a, a, as an athlete. If you're if you're a talented young athlete, I never ever felt, to be fair, that I was better than everyone else. I was just doing my best, to be honest. Yeah. And it just so happens that my best was better than everyone else. It's, it's exactly how I broke the British record. You don't I wasn't setting out to do that, but I was trying to run the fastest I could run. And it just so happens that it's the fastest that anyone's ever ran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't I wasn't looking at it like I, I, oh, my gosh, I'm super talented. I was, I was doing something that I love. I enjoyed, like, the friendships that I made. Like, my best friend now of, what, 20, 13, was like, 22 years. My best friend to this day was my rival when I was, like, 14 years old in high jump. Yeah. Because we would become, we were first and second and counting all the time. So we'd be the last ones sitting there in high jump. You have to wait around for an hour. We would come in after everyone's out, do two or whatever. And sometimes I would win, sometimes she would win. And we brought up a friendship. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved all that. I loved going away and you know, the end meet. So I just really loved doing the sports. So I never really realised I'm really good. But funny you say that, my mum I think my confidence actually dwindled the older I got because I became yeah. more And actually my mum had said to me, When I when we were younger and we used to see you run or I'd speak to you, you would be somewhere at a meet and you I would go to you Oh Montel, what, what 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 about that one there? And I'd go, oh, don't mind my mum beat yeah. her. And I was like, me? <laughs> I was like, me? And she was like, yeah, you was just super confident. You didn't, nothing phased you. You never looked at anyone else. And it's true. I didn't, I didn't look at anyone else because I was just like, I'm just going to do me. You know, people, ask, was like, what's your PB back in the day? They were like, what's your PBs? And I don't care what your PB is because I'm just going to do my best anyway. And if it's better than yours and the day, then it is. But I, I know that I'm loving, I'm, I was loving the journey that I was on. So I wasn't worried and I wasn't concerned with, my talent and how good I was it was only by my coach saying to me you know my first coach said to me he was the first person I ever said you are going to be a phenomenal sprinter and at the time I was high jumping so that was the first time I was ever told that I was going to be great
3: It's, it's funny how you um mentioned about the confidence because one thing I remember back then is how confident you were compared to some of the other girls so there was probably girls who in terms of speed were near you but the confidence was nowhere near your level and you could see that they were defeated before they even <laughs> <laughs> ran the race.
1: <laughs> no, it does happen. I actually said that. Um, I was speaking to Dwayne mm. earlier. I literally was talking mm. up three hours ago. And I said that. And I, I said, um, it's so funny because you don't look, like you just said, you don't look at yourself in that way. Yeah. But then I said, the mo- I said to him, you know what happened? I said, the, realized I mo- I, the moment I realised that actually, you know what? If I saw me, I would be scared too. That's yeah. when I realised, <laughs> oh, yeah, you got, you got some Because I was like, to be honest, if I saw me warming up and doing what I was doing, I'd probably be looking at me like, I'm, I've got to be ready for this girl because I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah. you don't see that because you're inside it. You're mm-hmm. just like everyone else trying to do your best, trying to get it to the line as best as you can. But you're not worried that everyone's eyes are on you. Like mm-hmm. No one cares, really, but all the eyes are on you at the same time. Yeah
0: one thing with me so when I was younger um, my best position in football was left back but I was somebody that actually just wanted to have all the glory and score the goals so for the most part I was playing as a striker but really I knew my best position was a left back so the reason why I'm saying all of this is because you started as a high jumper and then somehow you are a sprinter so was your story similar that you actually just wanted to be in a more higher profile um, discipline in athletics um, or was it just so, some was there other reasons why you moved from high jump to hundred meters or 200, and 200 meters?
1: Yeah, simply, yeah, there were other, there were other reasons, namely injury. So I, to be honest, I remember being lazy, which is actually the le- my least. I'm not a lazy person by far. Like you would never imagine that as a youth, but me now, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually a busybody. But back then, training's hard. Do you know, hmm. it is hard. It's hard. So I would be at the track. I do high jump. I do, like, which you one two three four five six seven steps and jump over a bar. My coach was trying to make me 1, one fifties, 200. I was hiding in the changing room. I had no kid you. I would be in the changing room waiting for me How about she don't tell my man, don't tell him in here. And then, last rep, I'd be like, oh, Chris, coming out. one I do my little Because I was just like, it was hard, it was hard compared to what I was doing. I went. I wasn't trained as an athlete till late, like 13, 14, 15 when I started doing training. So but because I didn't have the training for those few years that I said about high jump, I had a disc problem by the time I was fourteen. So okay. 12, 13, 14, disc problem. They basically were like, look, can't from bad technique, you can't you're not gonna run, you're not gonna high jump anymore. Like you won't be able to walk to do that. And I actually tested that theory when I, I stopped high jumping, started running. Then I thought, you know what, I feel pretty good. Maybe I can do a little two two jump. And I did yeah. I did like one of the leagues we had, went in, warmed up went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, jumped over the bar, landing on the floor, mate, didn't get back up. Like, didn't wow. get back up. Had to be stretched off. This is in the world. I didn't even get to compete.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And then oh, I was wow. like, oh, those doctors were right. I really can't jump anymore. I was like, that's it. So I had no choice. But mm-hmm. I think one of the things, definitely one of the skills that I've maybe developed as an athlete, or maybe that was already inspired, is the, yeah. the, the power of reinvention. Mm-hmm. Like, the goalposts always move, but you, but you just got to stick to the plan, like, Yes, of course. I love sports. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't hijack, But actually,
2: I've
1: been blessed with another another gift that I can use. As long as I work hard and I, and I, and I find fun in the process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just basically just started, I had no choice. I was like, you've got to start running. And obviously, when you're doing well, start loving it more. And, and went on through there. And then when I'm suddenly, I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm 16. I've got, I'm national champion in the one and the two. I've got a great team me that want me to do well. I was like, okay, well, this is this is what it's going to be now. And we're going to focus on this being my sport. And I do really wish that I'd actually fired other events. I do really, I think I would have been pretty good because I'm a bit of a stackable trade in some bits. Like I could have done well, hip heptathlete. Yeah, man, I'm, yeah, honestly, yeah. i honestly, I really yeah. wish I did. <laughs> I think I actually would have been a decent heptath- heptathlete, to be honest. Mm. I think I had the skills and the frame, all that kind of stuff to do it. And the tenacity to be able to cope with multi-events as well. Yeah. Um, and I like, I, I know I'm, Tension span, right? I like doing different things all the time. So I would have loved to do that, but I was very thrilled in that yeah, I got to such a high level in sprinting mm. that everything else got dashed to the corner quite quickly.
3: Yeah, it's understandable. So with with sprinting you got to a high level pretty quickly. At what point did you think, you know what, I can actually maybe become a pro and represent Great Britain?
2: Because when I get asked this question, mm. no joke. It was actually after making the Olympic team. It was wow. actually after
1: 2008. <laughs> I know it's strange to say that, I know it, but it's true. Like I, I never had aspirations to be a professional athlete. That was yeah. never the case for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. I never thought, man, I want to do this. It was something, like I said, I did, I loved, I enjoyed. and So much so that from, from 16 to the Olympic Games at 22, like I was still, I was working, I was, I was working a waitress job, at hotel and right up until the Olympic Games that like, I studied, it went through now studied study because for me, like real life stuff was important as well. Like I was yeah. very really academic when I was in primary school, top, like, secondary school, all top set. Like I, I was, I, I'm academic. I like to do all that kind of stuff. And mainly because I was so pushed by my, especially my mum to, to, to try to do my best at everything. She's like, if you're going to do something, you do it properly. And so I took that. So for me, graduating from uni was a big deal because no one in my family ever been to uni. I mean, no one had really been to college. Like, sure. 16, you go to work, done. Like, yeah. we, are from, we are from that background. Like, my mom and dad had me young as well. They were 19 when they had me.
2: Yeah. They
1: were working, and I just picked me up in the delivery van. When I was at primary school, I'd get in the van. So I only knew working, like, working class, I only knew working family. So for me to go, aspire to go to a games, aspire to graduate from university that's something no one's ever done before in my lineage like it might seem small now everyone's at uni everyone gets a degree but when you are, when you're trying to be something that you ain't seen sometimes it's hard to do so it was really important for me to just be, be graduate so I never thought about being professional athlete it was only till you know, now I'm Nike sponsored I'm going to the games I've just graduated from university literally about three weeks before so <laughs> I was like well I, now I don't have to work because I can do this full time. And now I'm going to be a professional athlete. But before then, I was never trying to just do that one thing. I was yeah. always just trying to do my best, the best I could in the situation I was given at any time. And, it, and by doing the best, I was always happy with where I was.
2: That wasn't
1: okay. about me. Winning, losing, what I was going to do, I was always satisfied that if I did my best today, that's what, you, that's what you're going to get. I would be disappointed if I didn't do my best. That's yeah. be disappointed. But not if I lay my life down the line and then we just, we, come, we lay my life down the line, we come sick, because I remember my coach saying that to me in the Olympic um, quarterfinals, because I had just like, gamblers like, Campbell is in there. There was just, it was like a tear up. There's like five minutes us. And, <laughs> and, he up of and he just looked at me and went, he's like, he said, you're just going to have to run the rest of your life. <laughs> and I knew. It was the hardest for me. It was the hardest quarterfinals. I was like, for me to get through, I'm going to need, honestly, I'm going to divine intervention right now. But I did my best. And, he, and we, I weren't annoyed with it, actually. I didn't come yeah. off like upset. I was like, I did my best. That's all you can ever ask for. You keep yeah. doing that, you happy where you are, and you keep it moving.
0: So, I want to take it back. So, you mentioned briefly about at sixteen you was national champion. Did that add any pressure onto you um, psychologically, or did that spur you on?
2: Good question. Yeah, I've never thought about it. Um, I think at the time it didn't
1: really because. Um, I was moving, I was setting my own goals for wanting to do like like uni and stuff like that and and I could stuff away from track. Yeah. At the time I wasn't, the pressure wasn't you need to be the sprinter they expect you to be because I didn't know the sprinter that I was expected to be. I had no idea who I was becoming at all. Yeah. I remember in that, in 2000, I remember being, I actually got selected for the World Juniors um, and I was under 17 so I wasn't even a junior yet and I was going to they asked me to go for the relay and it was in Jamaica. I'm Jamaican. And I was like, <laughs> and uh, no, no one ever done this before at 16. They, I turned it down basically. I said to them, nope. And then I like, gonna go?" I was just like, look, I'm going to go to Jamaica. I'm going to get black. Just sit there getting some burnt. That's what they're not going to yeah. put me in. I'm 16. I'm the youngest in the team. They're not going to put me in. Yeah, I'm going to experience. But I, I said to myself, no, I'm going to stay at home. And I'm gonna win nationals. I'm gonna get my national title. That's what I'm gonna do. So I set a goal. Now it might not be. people go, You can go world juniors. but I would have gone world juniors and not done anything and sat there, and mm. maybe got experience. But I stayed home and become a double national sprint champion at 16. I'm like, that's that's the mindset that I had because I was like, that was gonna be my goal and that was where I was gonna be.
2: Yeah.
1: I didn't really take on the pressure then, but things changed a lot differently in our 16. So my coach at the time, bless him, like. He was, he was amazing, my first coach, Ray Turnell, at Black East Bromley. Because Ray gave me, gave me away. He found my next coach, AO, took me to the Olympic Games, God rest his soul. And he found me that I was running. So like, he found me that set up. He said, I've done everything that I can do for you. Now, I've been with him since when I started, like 13, 14, when he picked me up. And he actually said, you know what? I've done everything I can do as a coach. You're at this level now. He, he's like, I don't know if I can push you on to where you go. And he gave me to another person. Not many people do that. So I didn't really have the pressure because he was like, I'm giving you this process; what you can do. It was just when I joined the group then that I was just like, I joined the group of superstars. I mean, the group was just, really- I-, I got people in my group that only been to Olympic Games, two Olympic Games before I even joined the group, 2000, <laughs> 2004, like already joined the group. So I- I'm just like a small fish, do you know what I mean? I'm a really mm. small fish in this pod. So I didn't have any pressure because I was still trying to aspire to be where they were at.
3: Yeah. It's a great thing you said about the coach mo- um, moving you on to, to someone else because that is one of the biggest issues that probably happen in sprinting is that a lot of people come to a point when they feel they need to change their coach. Some people make the wrong decision in terms of the coach they choose and some people just decide, I'm just not going to make a change and then sit there and struggle and eventually fall out of the sport. So it's it's something that's really, really, really important that you have the right person um, behind you to encourage change if that needs to happen
1: yeah absolutely having a stronger network we we'll always talk about it but no one don't know what it actually takes what it means and when you have when you when, the, when you're not athlete centred for example as a coach like I'm now into coaching you have to pick that athlete's priorities first because you know what at the end of the day it's their journey it's not yours they can leave you and you're still going to have three or four athletes so at the end of the day they, it, what they need at that time is the only thing you should be offering and we're doing the best to get do the best yeah, get to get the best out of them. But sometimes it doesn't like you said doesn't go that way and it's hard for them to see that it's not your journey, it's their the, the athlete's journey that you're trying to do. And my thank God, I, I my coach was able to do that, put me in a good position, and the network around me, they were like, This is where you need to be, this is what you this is what you need to do to get to where you get to. Because really, you know, those ages you don't know. You ain't got a clue what you need, you don't know what you yeah. need, And you definitely don't know when you're sixteen. Yeah. So to have those real those real positive people around you that actually, altruistically, want the best for you, is you're bound, you know, you're bound to succeed, or at least being a, give yourself, they just gave me a chance. That's what he gave me. He gave me a chance, and the rest was up to the, um, everyone else.
0: So the team dynamic, so when you joined that superstar team um, and you were that small fish in a big pond, can you talk to us about the early stages of you trying to get yourself um, used to and, and adapted to this, you know, wonderful, talented group of people? How, how, how were you dealing with it psychologically?
1: So psychologically, I think I dealt with it very, very well in the sense that I'm, I'm not really phased by stuff like that. I'm probably more like phased now I'd be because kind of get more aware and I was really yeah. not aware of stuff. I constantly. I, I just took things as. A, I always take stuff as it is. It's not, it's not. I don't try and make it in something it's not and be, I don't be fearful going in because I'm, yeah. I'm there for a reason. You know what I mean? Like one of my teammates, Nisha James, Nisha actually won the 200 at the 2002 Games, just the ones that I, um, at the World Juniors. She'd won the 200 metres. She was World Junior Champion and I'm going in to train with her. Now, like I'm going into their group, the one that I turned down to stay and be national champion. It's a level, <laughs> like you're levels to this thing. So I'm going, wow, I guess this is where we are. But you use that and it's not a rivalry. It's something that, it's a stepping stone to where you are. But one thing about going into that group is absolutely taught me how to be an athlete. Because before then, I didn't have a clue what it took to be an athlete. I was going with emotions. I was having fun. I was doing I was getting results. But it, it won't stay like that. And for you to then go to a different level, you know, junior athletics, completely different senior athletics, you need the guidance. And I really got that from the group. And I wasn't going intimidated because my coach uh, my coach, uh, didn't allow it. He treated everyone the same. We were all on the same level. We all helped each other. And I went in there and it was, um, it was hard. Because I went from, you know, three-ish days of training. Let's face it. I was barely, I mean, those Sundays, you ain't really see. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's,
1: like, it's Sunday. You, know, yeah. you Tuesday, Thursday, yeah, I'm there. But like Sunday, I'm there. Sometimes I'm not there. Sometimes, and I went from three days to like six days a week training. Wow! It was, it was a completely different ball game, and and physically, obviously, it was it was quite hard to get make the step in stone and get. And the difference in training was so tough to get my head around. But it wasn't frustrating because it was still very new, and because I was so green banana, like I was real fresh. I I, I didn't. I, I wasn't tired. Mean, you're not tired yet. You're not over it. You're just just getting started. So I took it on as a, a new challenge, but one that I was excited
3: for. One thing you mentioned was about performing your best. You want you like to leave your best when you've finished the race. How do you how do you think what did you do to get to that mindset of knowing that when you finish a race you've left all on the line? Because a lot of people struggle to get to that point. A lot of people before the race has started, they've already defeated themselves and they never produce their best. What is it that you think Maybe from yourself or maybe from your background that allowed you to do that?
1: So, um, to answer that question, so I was watching an interview actually, mm. and I'll bring this up quite to people because it was so poignant. Atta Bolden did an interview seems mm. talking about Sky and he was talking about different athletes. And he actually mentioned in this interview that he didn't think that Asafa Pow, who's one mm. most sub ten of all time, mm. doesn't really get the medals that he would rightly deserve that we all think didn't think he had the personality for sprinting. So when I heard that, I was like, wow, I've never thought of it like that. Like, I've never mm-hmm. thought of it as saying, does your personality lend itself to being the athlete that you need, need to be? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the mindset of saying, how do you play on the track and be best? I am naturally, as a personality, very analytical. I'm very literal. So if you say to me, I want you to jump three metres, you're going, I'm going to jump three metres. I'm not going to go 3.5 or 2.8. I'm going to give you what you answer because I'm very literal. So just my personate alone, because I am quite, I ask a lot of questions. I always want to know the answer. I always want to know stuff. More information is king to me. I'm like, yeah, what do Mm -hmm. I need to do do?" And I'm process driven in that way. So when you take away from the fact saying, going into a race and you're saying, I want to do my best, you have to then spin it on its head and go, what does my best look like? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win or you're going to mm-hmm. run this time. It means executing what it is that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's your plan today? What are we trying to do? Which is why, like, if you're, if you're coaching, for example, if I, sometimes coaches will send me video and be like, you look at this athlete, cool. I very struggle, I sometimes struggle to handle, like I don't want to, like, overkill it because you can just pick straight away. I can see everything because my brain's, like, I see dead people. I <laughs> 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 like, oh, like, so, like, look at it and I'll say, okay, what is it that they're trying to do? Sometimes they in the wrong starting position. A lot of the time, they're in the wrong starting position. Now, I sometimes, I'm a athlete, a coach that would be like, stop. As soon as they start running, I'm like, stop. Because I can't now judge what you're going to do because you started badly. Your mm-hmm. starting position means that everything after that step, you're not going to get what we want. Mm. you have to start, I can't judge you yet because it's not going to be fair to kill you when you're doing not that nonsense down there and then mm. to judge you down this end. So going in with the mindset as an athlete and saying, what does this look like? Okay, I want to win. I want to get quick. What does that mean then? Okay, bringing it back right down means that I'm going to have to run through my transition and when I'm on my start line, I'm going to have to split my arm. I have to bring it back to the moment at the beginning because you lose sight thinking about results, thinking about the end, the end, the end. When you're setting a goal, you always have the end in mind and you work back. Same thing with your national final and you're walking around the call rooms and you're seeing people walking around and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this last time I'm in lane four, what am I going to do? Oh, what if I come second? Okay, you want, if you want to win today, how are we going to win? How do we win? What is important now? Period. Whatever's important now is what we focus on. So we bring it, strip it back and say, if I focus on doing my arms, then that's how I've done my best. Because if I go out there and do everything that I know I can, and I'm capable of, and, and, and it's pretty much there and there about, I'm not going to be annoyed with the result because we did what we came to do, irrespective of where we came.
0: Okay, listening to you, you have um, a wonderful energy, and there's there's something intense about that energy, and it's really really infectious. And what I guess I would like to ask is, you you mentioned earlier about this time where or this period where you and you started thinking, you started overly thinking, and you almost lost that that fearlessness. How did you? How did you lose that? Can you? Can you? Because you're quite analytical, can you explore why potentially you lost that fearlessness? Um, go and and if you can go into greater detail as to how did that happen? Like
1: the fearlessness of of what exactly?
0: Yeah, So just so you mentioned about that, you know, sometimes you before so you had that conversation with your mom your mom would tell or someone would say to you what about the other um, athlete oh don't worry about that mom but then as you got older you began to start looking at things and you started maybe looking at opponents whatever i don't want to put um, words in your mouth but how did you lose that how did you move from having this you just didn't care attitude to actually just looking and just being mindful of one or two things
1: okay so i I, I think it was more around the expectation that I have for myself and like what you mentioned to me before about expectations of who you the other people need to be. Yeah. So I never had expectations of myself where everyone else did. Yeah. I, I weren't going in going I'm, you know I mean I'm finishing at the Olympic games. I only just decided in Miami on my holiday after the big <laughs> games like that's real that's real talk. I didn't have those things going in there differently. So my expectations of who I was and what I was going to achieve and what I was going to do weren't really there yet. They weren't moulded. They haven't grown. So when they started creeping in, now I'm, like you said, I'm, like I'm going in. I didn't really have the expectation even before then. And I actually wish I had more of one. Because I actually mm. can go into the games. I didn't go into the games to even make a final. Like, we didn't have goals like that. I wasn't even thinking. I wish I did. Now, I would have been like, yeah. we are going there. We're going in there. And we're going to try to run this time. But I was already blown away by what I'd already achieved. <laughs> like the six weeks beforehand, everything yeah. was, from then on, I was like, "Mate, this is everything's a bonus." But I'm gonna try and do the best I can out right there, which I still, I still think I did. But when I left from that place and I looked back, and I, from then on, I'm like, "Now I'm gonna be a professional athlete," and now you're Olympian, and now you're the fastest. I was the fastest European actually. I was the far, number one in Europe, yeah. Fastest British woman of all time. Like, there's so many things that just get thrown that in, and then suddenly. Now I'm not doing anything. I'm honest, I'm not focused on. I'm not working. I have to hustle at not being a waitress. I, I'm not studying anymore. Trying to balance six days a week training and studying for a degree. Like now, I'm focused on trap. Everything starts coming at you. This bit, here, there, everywhere. So then you start, you start seeing what you were missing before because I was yeah. so tunnel visioned on me just getting what I wanted to get done. I didn't, worry, I didn't know what anyone else wanted to, of me. And I think along that way, I then started. Thinking, oh, sugar, I'm, they think I'm going to be this superstar. And if I looked at it, I'd be like, girl, you've already been a superstar. What are you talking about? You, <laughs> you've been here for six years doing this thing. Like, what? Like, when I look about, I'm like, you're ridiculous. But I was so in the moment, I was not wrapped up in the, what was going on. There was no world win around me. There was absolutely no world win about me. But when after, after having that process and going through being like finishing from the games and coming back and then doing this, doing what I was going to do, it, it completely started creeping in and saying the self-awareness of what we can see about you. And what then now, now what you want to achieve. Because what's the next step? Yeah. My goals were like, I wrote down my goals. When I saw it, it was like 11-0, zero, Olympian. But I, when you hit 22, then you're like, now what? I, I literally was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that I was going to happen so quick. And this was like, when I was, like someone had done a, like a little workshop, they said, write down your goals. And I put these goals as in like, the furthest of the longest, in the greatest, you know what I mean? Like, oh, one day maybe. Suddenly you get there and then you're like, so now what? And now I understand that process. So when I'm like mentoring young, young athletes, there's one thing I always say to them stuff because they get wrapped up with, oh, I want to run this, I want to run this. One girl wanted to break eight seconds for 60 metres. And I said, okay, you focus on eight seconds and you can already do it. And the reason why you're not getting it, you focus on eight seconds. Focus on what you need to do to get to there. And when you get to there, then you can see what time you ran. The moment, and I said to her, what do you think is yeah. going to happen when you, when you run eight seconds? I say, say you run it today, what's going to happen? What, what do you think you're going to sit and play immediately afterwards? She's like, I'm probably going to want to run on seven, nine. I said, exactly. So don't, the goalpost always moves. So you don't worry about you running eight seconds because you're going to want to run faster the moment you, the second you do it, you're going to be like, man, I wanted to run dip, and go seven, nine. So don't be caught up in being like I said, I was just so aware of stuff that's going on. You get, you get scared. By what you can't
0: do rather than right being happy about what you can yeah i think one of the things what you were saying really um hit me ho- hit home to me because it reminds me of what james Clear says in the book atomic habits where it's rather than looking at the overarching goal it's about creating systems and once you create the systems and you're you you've, you're doing these things habitually the results will come. And those goals, those initial goals that you actually thought were a pretty high, you, with the system in place, actually, you realise that, you know, they, they can be um, far exceeded. So that really, really hit home. And it's really just about creating a system rather than um, just looking at, you know, um, beating the eight seconds, nine seconds, ten seconds, you know, whatever target you have. Yeah, definitely.
1: It's about being able to adapt and move forward, like you said. Pray. And thing we about habits, you're absolutely right. Like people are so swarmed about motivation. Like how do you keep doing? How do you keep doing? How do you keep doing? I was just like, no one wants to do it every day. I'm sorry, it's not true. Mm. That that's false. If you mm. want to wake up, if you think you are going to do that, this is not the game for you because you are not. There's going to be many days, more days than not, when you can't be bothered. I was like, but you ain't got to be motivated every day. I was like, but you have to be disciplined. If you want what you want, period, you have to be disciplined and. The best way to become disciplined, like you said, is to create habits. You become habitual. I'm just used to getting up to go and training every day. So that's mm-hmm. why now it's easier for me to do it. That's why when you're trying to lose weight for the first time going to the gym, the hardest thing is just getting out of the house and going mm. to the gym. Why you do it It's actually not that deep.
0: <laughs> 100%.
1: I'm like, just <laughs> get on the bus. Go to the thing. Even if you walk through the center, don't do nothing. I guarantee you, you will feel better walking through the center and be like, I'm at the gym now, I'm at one little two thing and then go home. But you'll feel better because you've just made a step. You can't overthink things all the time. Sometimes you, sometimes you just got to do something like do it. Do it first, worry about it later.
3: Yeah. What would you say was the most challenging thing of turning pro? Because we've spoken to some athletes, and some of them, the most challenging thing was not the actual training, it was the other stuff they were doing in their life before. And that being removed from their life and having an impact, did that have any sort of impact on you in terms of the stuff, work, life? Did that affect you as an athlete?
2: I think, um,
1: so when you mean other things, have they meant like the other stuff that's away from the sport itself? Yeah. Stuff you've got to do. I think it's really important. It's very difficult, though, as an athlete, to not focus on just the athlete, the thing that you're doing. You're told so much, you know, plan A, you got to do plan A, you've got plan B, then you take them away from plan A. And now, in my old age and my what wisdom and knowledge, that's <laughs> not necessarily true. And sometimes, actually, it's, it's a benefit for you to have those things. When you're thinking about that, like, you're turning pro, like I said, suddenly I ain't working. I, I'm just training every day. I ain't doing nothing else. I'm going shopping all the time unnecessarily. Because mm. you've got money, so you guys you know, necessarily, and like you're doing stuff, and really looking back, like there's lots of things that I would do differently. If I was telling someone, look, you find something out there that will give you some else satisfaction. Because what ends up happening is, I think you just self-identify, define yourself by the sport. I'm a hundred meter sprinter. Period. Done. It's finished. Because it is 24 hours around the clock that like, you don't switch off and you go home. You are having to sleep, having to eat, well, having to do that. You have got interviews, like. The, the games, like breaking the British record. I mean, I was, I had like 10 interviews a day. I went wow. from really no one to like, <laughs> to like everyone's asking, I'm sitting there in the cars doing interviews back to back to back. just, you know, I mean, it's a different, different world. There's so many things that can draw your attention away from staff, and then you get to focus it, focus in. But I do honestly think that the athlete duty of care, the so like athlete welfare in understanding how to keep someone grounded is a task for, for a network or for your, your agents or whoever's around you, your parents, family, that's really, really important to keep you in that level headed. Don't kind of struggle with dealing with all the stuff that once you become become pro. But also that like goes back to is also personality. Because if you are someone that's about this and you're like, I'm doing this, you get trained, you start winging out, they're getting this from this people, this thing, and you're taking in that lifestyle and you are almost getting the job at hand or you're it's taking away from what you're doing then you will struggle when, you know, things, so they're not going to stay, don't stay rising up. Success is not a linear curve just going upwards. So when you yeah. start coming, you're going to need to bounce back. And can you do that with all the other stuff that's done in your life? And it is difficult, but I think the, the, I think the combination of having a good network and also kind of person you are, what are you willing to, to sacrifice? Who are you willing to be? Who do you want to be as an athlete? Is that reflected in what you're doing? can really help you keep grounded in those, in those different areas.
0: Breaking the British record in any, um, any discipline in athletics is a pretty big thing. So uh, can you just talk to us about that moment, that initial moment and those next few weeks after, um, what was going through your mind?
1: Oh, insane. (laughs) So, (laughs) so again, it's it's so, it's so weird when I look look back at certain things and like how you can get there. So, like I said, I wasn't trying to break the British record. No one goes like, oh, unless you've been near around it, you're like Get in there. But everything actually led up to that point because I remember, um, like we had some, I had some technical, like technical um analysis, the biomechanics from British athletics the time. And I remember saying to him, "What do you got to do to run? What you got to do to run? Never know, no, no. like flat weather." And he was like, "We well, got to run no. So I did a run of hundred, and he gets the gun out, does the time, and he's and I said, "What you got to do to? I did a ten point." six Or seven, something like that, I remember. No, eight or nine. I was like, what you got to do to run 11? And he said, "Um, you got to run 11 seconds. per second. You've got to be able to get to 11 seconds. That's what you're going to have to do. Whatever. So I was like, okay, we're back to the line. But <laughs> he was like, oh. <laughs> he was like 11 <laughs> seconds. And I was like, okay, I just wanted to I just wanted to know what I needed to do <laughs> to get there. So in the lead up towards towards breaking the British record, I honestly, it's a very it's a unique situation as well, that because we, I had, that year, obviously, I had my dissertation to do, I literally graduated wow. the day after I broke the British record, believe it or not. Like, the 17th of July is when I broke it. In the next day I was at my graduation, like, my graduation unit. Mm. And, and I sacrificed a lot that year. So we, when I started, my coach came back from when we were training, we started training. We were seeing stuff on the clock. I remember running, like, I ran, like, a, I remember now, it was like 10-4 for a flying hundred. And he said to me, he just said to me, you can run 10-9 off that. And I was like, really and was like yeah he said no I he said I don't know anyone and he's coached a lot of people he's been around the game for many years he said I've never seen anyone no one's run that time I said, the close person was Abby Abby Yeppetown. I'd run mm-hmm. like a, a 10-6 mm-hmm. and he said I know that Abby's has probably got the fastest time before that he said but you can run 10-9 off that so uh, uh, for me I was I still wasn't going I'm gonna go run 10-9 because I had done it yet and I don't, I'm not trying to run 10. Like, I'm thinking now, I'm graduating, and go, I'm just going to train, I'm going to run, I'm trying to get the fastest I can run. And lead up to that, I, it basically was like a race-off, actually, which is why it's a very unique situation, which yeah. is why I think, actually, I run so fast. Because <laughs> as, as unique and strange as we did it then, I, I was told that you know if I didn't run, beat the other girls in that race, I wasn't going to the big game, because I came second at trials, but I didn't have the qualifying time and that we knew that going into trials I was in good shape but I was running 11-3 in and out week in week in, week 11-3-3 my PB was at the time 28 from the year before like at, at, at European under 23 and yes. then I went 27 and then we went to world championships and I, so it, all my, it was like my second and third fastest time of running all the time week in week so we knew there was a drop there was something in there but when they say you can't you can't go to games if you don't do it I remember them telling me that and I pulled up to my car and I asked the phone and he said that, and you know what? I, I didn't actually you know as much as I, I'm talking. Like I could talk to England they would say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't speak, no joke, for like five days. Mm-hmm. No, I tell you not. I didn't mm-hmm. speak for five days. I went into a place that was I. I, I was almost like meditating. I had never been anything. I got to the point where I wrote everything down. So I got stuff but to raise. I wrote everything down. I wrote down when I was going to brush my teeth write so down what time I was going to go to bed, what time I was going to wake up, what time I was going to put on my clothes, what time I was going to get in the chat, because I was not trying to leave any, there's no energy for me to be thinking about in nothing, because right now it's games or nothing, That like you, you, you beat their girls that like were you in the race last week, or you don't go, and I did that, and consumed everything to a point where I was just like, cool, and I remember doing warm-up, and he was just like tapping on his, in the warm-up, and he was just like, well you're, you start, that's the your fastest day, or whatever it was, I'm like, we're gonna we're gonna do we're just gonna go. I'm just gonna do my best. And I honestly, the build up towards that and the feeling was you just have to run the fastest you've ever run before. Period. Point blank, then I do get there, just get it done. And I actually didn't clock that what I had done because in the heat well the heat I didn't clock because the clock was ten ninety five. I'm ten ninety five. Now, you as a woman, you ain't seen no 10. I I thought the clock was flashing. It was like, what? It was like, had the other girls that were behind me in the race, running behind behind me after I was gone clear. We like, oh, just taking my... I They're like, Mattel, up. You see the time, you see the time. And I was like, what? What is this, Because I just saw, like, flick. And I was like, what? What's that? Then I hear him say 10.95. That, I was like, oh, my gosh! I was like... And I was like, nah, it must be like a gust. There must be some big gust. Something's going on. <laughs> it was like plus 2.5. And I remember going back and saying to my coach, he said, Monk, all you have to do is do it again. And I said, I can do that again. Because I, 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 no, I don't know anything else. I can do it again. Mm. I, said, I said, that's easy. Because he came up to me and he went, congratulations, Miss Douglas, my coach, Joker. He's the first woman to ever run sub-11, like windy or otherwise in the country. And I said to him, "You've got to be joking." I actually went to him. You're having a laugh. I said, "There's no way." And he said, "No one's ever run sub 11. It doesn't matter if it's windy or not." He said, "They haven't done it." He said, "They're going to take you anyway, probably because it's so fast." But he said, "You've got to do that again." And I said, "There's no way." And I I couldn't believe it because I said it it wasn't that difficult. I to me, I was like someone. I didn't think I was. Remember, I don't think I'm super talented. I don't think I'm anything special. I just do my best. So I couldn't believe that it was me that I did it. I was like, "What?" and the best to go across that line and like see eleven oh five, and then and then them shouting out that's a new British record because it was win legal I dropped to the floor mate I was on the floor oh, my God. The coach comes running over he's like we did it we did it hugs me I was just like I was in I'm just like I, there's no words that could express what I felt because there was a it's a combination people always say of relief of exhalation, you're just like, you can't believe what's happened. I was just so, I was I was so happy because I'd achieved something that I never thought I even could achieve. But the lead up part, like you said, past that, it was just crazy. Like I said, I had interviews back to back to back. I mean, I met Roger Bannister, he was the first person to do the form oh, of the, the next yeah. day because he was, he was <laughs> back in the day.
2: Yeah.
1: And I met yeah. him like on the day and I'm just like, they were like one bridge record to another bridge record holder and I'm like, it's just the kind of company. I was like, wow, comfort. I've been it's weird because I was just going in like a normal with all my hat, with all my um, like colleagues, like my colleagues, all this, my, my friends at uni, and I'm just with them. And it, to me, I was just like a normal. I'm just normal. I was just like, I'm just an everyday South London girl. It's nothing. Nothing's too deep. Like, I had to realize the presence that I'm in now. Like this is what you're. Like you're. This is what you're doing. Like you can. This is where you, where you are now. And. Just with the just with the, the media, all that kind of stuff, pushing, 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 all the stuff that was going on, I didn't actually still look at it like, wow, you're the thing right now. Yeah. Like, wow, everyone just wants a piece of this, this part. Like, this is, this is what's happening. I was just absorbing it all in. But it was definitely the best feeling just because we had done something. Like I said, I tried my best and we'd done something that really we weren't even trying to achieve.
3: When it comes to media how how did you feel as your career progressed when they would say certain things positive or negative about yourself
1: I think it's like I say it's it's very difficult to take stuff your sort now I'm older I would handle it differently but when you're in the money or yarn it's a different ball game it's hard to tell someone oh, just ignore it Don't do that stuff like it's it's difficult um generally i think people the media were generally quite nice with me no one knew any better like people didn't really care that mm-hmm. they were like it's 27 year old record cool. you're doing so well Olympic stuff and then obviously when when you're not performing as well after the fact i wasn't really wrapped up in it i wasn't aware of it i was more aware of peers or people in the sport talking people have a chat you know what i mean you mm-hmm. want to say stuff and i was more aware of of them but i was never that minded i would never be the person chatting about another person like oh, we didn't mind that or like oh, we can't mind that I, i'm not i i know how hard we work as athletes but i knew the graph it took to be there and i was like look you guys none of you know my journey you don't know what the, you're looking at is bribbeck olympics to me they're even my biggest achievement like i my aunt went back to uni in like her 30s because she saw that i did it like to me that's a win I, like do you know what I mean my my aunt who's older than me? Mum said I went back to uni. She said, you know, why? Because when you did it, I said, "Wow, we can we can do that. Like, we we're a part of this people that can go uni, we can graduate, from further education." She went back there to do a, a, a something that she never thought she could do, so she never did it. She was like, "I I could be in there. I could be." She's a, she's a midwife now now because she went yeah. back and she said it because of me, and I was just like, "That's a win for me because that's why I always wanted. I always wanted to leave." something to spy for my family because we were a close family and I and I wanted to be if I could be, if I if no, if I can I will. And part of my my I guess my gift to my family was just that showing them that, you know, you don't have to come from the greatest background or any kind of uplift. We never got no hand up. Mate. There was never that. Like yeah. I worked all the way to limit game year. Work. People were like, oh they can't work now, they can't train. I'm like, you gotta find a way. <laughs> got it Or not. You're gonna find a way. So with regards to like people around saying stuff, I was very much more aware about them. And I really just didn't get wrapped up in it because their opinion is worth nothing. Like I say, you would never go to your butchers to go and ask you about your dental work. I ain't asking yeah. you nothing because you don't know nothing. I'm no. going to the right person who has the right means and has got the right skills and give you the right information. Because otherwise, it's like you said, it's an opinion everyone's got. It's, it's pointless. You, you take that information that is not in your control. And it actually might not be from a place of any kind of, they've got no insight. And, and because I'm analytical, I looked at it like that. I'm yeah. it's like, not really important. And as long as my circle kind of kept me grounded in the sense that, don't worry about that, we're going to do this, keep me, keep me confident, keep me calm, then, then I was cool.
0: You've kind of answered it, but I will still ask the question. So the media is one thing, and social media is is a completely different ball game. And I guess my question is: Have you ever thought about how you would have dealt with the the intensity of trolls? So, for example, if 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 I don't know, you had a bad race, and um, you know you had this I don't know hundred trolls saying this and that about you on social media. Have you ever thought about how you would have dealt with that?
2: Yeah, I, and
1: actually no, and I haven't because I've always thought about how good it would be if our if social media was in a time that I was. Yeah. Like, there wasn't like I literally got a Facebook account. I think my Facebook. in yeah. 2007. To so
0: yep. imagine Facebook was everything not <laughs>
1: actually really had. Hundred percent. You know, my friend is doing it to me. Ah, Facebook. And I'm like, what's this book of faces? i was like, what, what is this thing? And we just signed up. And do you know what I mean? It wasn't mm. a thing then. It actually.
0: was. Yeah. Exactly.
1: We were actually sheltered. Like I said, there was there was none of that, but. I can imagine, especially now, it can be very difficult, and it always is around. It always is about the support team you have around you and the confidence you have in yourself, because they are people are going to say stuff. I mean, even if you're doing well, they are all going to say stuff. They're still going to say stuff anyway. They're always going to be like, "Oh, we thought," you know. Every time people tell me, "Oh, we well, could have should have left this person ages ago," or like, "Oh, we think you should do this kind. Of, that's the one kind of training for you." There's always going to be someone with an opinion. So if you've got, like you said, a hundred comments. And seventy of those people are just telling you about this stuff and going, "Oh, that was a bit slow. That's not where it was dead and stuff." And you, it's a. It, I don't want to take it from anyone how to because I can imagine that it it's tough, but it's also how you value the people that are telling you this. Because really and truly, like I said, someone said the other day, I can't remember who it was, who was it. They said, "I'm not going to let." I think it was a guy actually online. I don't know his name, but he basically does a nice analyst of. Chikari Richardson's 1072 race that's just
2: happened.
1: Mm, yeah. I say nice analysis, analysis I do use that word, but it's analysis always. And he says that I don't care what these people say. He said, I don't care about anyone's opinion that does not pay my bills. These people that aren't going to stop me from being homeless, I can't care. And he's right. You cannot put your energy and really waste it on, point, on, on the pointless people sitting there behind a computer. They would never say to your face because I've seen people say stuff and I said, unless you're going to say it, because I would say everything I would say to you on social media, I would say to your face. If I sp- spoke about something that you said or whatever, I'm telling someone because I don't mind it goes back to you because I would say it. I've told you, I'm being honest, this is what it is. It's never going to yeah. be like, oh, no, don't say it if you ain't going to say it to their face. And be, and th- but they, people do that. And I would say that they're not going to say it to you. It's because they have the, the freedom of just arms left and, and being on the sofa to do that. So they're yeah. that's not important. What is your like? A psych- psychologist said to me once, what are you fearful about something you fear to do badly? I said, yeah. He said, well, look at this. way: Is your, is your mum, it's actually the um, guy the chimp management. He actually said, well, is your mum still going to love you if you do badly? And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, no. and I realised how ridiculous what he was getting at. Because why am I getting stressed about it if I, if I fail? My mum's not going to start hating me. People around me that love me aren't going to start rejecting me because of that. It's in my mind that the fear of my, the failure of me, is going to make people think differently to me. People that love me are not going to think differently. Yeah. Just like trolls saying stuff. They don't love you. they just, you know, they're here for the journey and for the ride. But people that have your true, true interest at heart are always going to give you, you know, the best, hopefully the best advice you can get and have your back regardless because of who you are and not what you give for them.
3: So you had an athletics career and then you moved to bobsleigh. What made you take a jump to a completely different, <laughs> different sport?
1: Yeah, I know. I'm crazy. I ain't going to say
3: anything,
1: right? <laughs> so Like you know, You've got to be a little bit nuts, but I am. Um, so what happened was I basically got um, invited to try out the team. And it came at a good time, um, really, because I was getting, getting older in my sport. I wasn't performing as well. And I, I knew I still had it in me. But also at the same time, they were like, I, actually, one of the people within the sport was one of the physical coaches, which is Michael Camell was a, a trusted person of, of mine as a coach, mm-hmm. a trusted person. Look, come and try out, tried for about two years and then I eventually she went, All right, I'm mm-hmm. out to try out doing Bob's thing and I tried out and I broke the record. I broke yeah.
0: <laughs> Why am I not surprised?
1: <laughs> I, I broke <laughs> she, the the most the late the, 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 the evaluation test record. I didn't know there the was a record. This is what I'm saying. Like, I did my best. Honestly, guys, just do your best. <laughs> you don't know what's
2: coming. I did
1: my best. And I remember half of the test. He was going, "Yeah, you've got like whatever. How many points?" And I'm like, is "That is that good?" And he was like, "Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> was like, "Uh, yes." And he was like, you're going to break the record even though you haven't, finished, you haven't finished the test. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> from their point of view, they're like, great. So I went in there and, I, and it really was a good time for me basically to start a new challenge. Just to find something new to do. I was like, and also get a kind of, I guess, re, re-spice my love for track. Because I, I love track. I love training yeah. now. Let's not stop training. Even I stop, like I'm, I'd still go to the gym and do stuff. I love being active. But I love doing something new and challenging. And it just got an opportunity that that was happening. I was, I was going to be good at it. It, it lends itself to my natural skills. And I wasn't, to try things, I wasn't afraid to try something new. And I actually realized starting it that, oh, actually, this is really helping my track. Because my acceleration went mad. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, I've got great top end, actually. And I'd known that he'd coached Joe. And he was like, look, when, when he came into the sport, it actually helped his track because it gave him stuff. And I understood why. I've been in it now. I, I've played to everybody. Absolutely mm-hmm. changed the game. So yeah. I, I looked at the try. He said that, I tried out, and, and I actually just really enjoyed it. I love that it was a team, team sport. It's a team sport. So I've done something so individual for so long. It's nice to have other people within that you've got to work together in. It's another new, new challenge for me. Um, so it, it's been a great journey.
0: In the early stages, um, there are obviously, you know, basic moves. So what are the fundamental moves um, that you have to learn in bobsleigh?
1: So bobsleigh, so I would say, especially in bobsleigh, is people always think that it transfers really it well from sprinter to bobsleigh, which generally it does. However, it very much depends on the kind of athlete sprinter you are. There are different types of sprinters. So yeah. I'm five foot ten, very elastic. I'm not, the, like now I'm st- I'd say I'm super strong. I was always quite strong, but more elastic strength power, then a really powerhouse start. Like, like I said, I ran my best 60s, seven twenty-fives this day, but I could go off 11.25 of that, which some people couldn't, because they haven't got a bad top end. My top end was my skill.
2: Yeah. So that
1: being said, I'm a puller. Like, I will, I will get up to running, and then I can apply force quickly and pull myself down the track. Now, when you're in bobsleigh, the, the final movement is a pushing sport. Your, your nature, is you're a brake woman, you push and implement. So having to learn how to apply force in our direction against weight is completely different than you pulling yourself down the track. So I was 67 kilos when I went to Olympic Games. I'm now, well, I will not how much I weigh now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <a> but <laughs> I,
1: I push and implement, that's 170 kilos. So when you're having to pull power to weight and track, it's hugely important. Yeah. In, in Bob's say it's not so much because you're pushing absolute weight. Who cares if your power to weight work well, good? If if I can push 150 kilos and you can push 100, but you're 50 kilos and I'm 100 kilos, it doesn't matter. I can still push more than you. And the weight is what what matters. So the fundamentals obviously to be fast, to be powerful and strong, and learn how to apply force, which is why my acceleration flew up. Why everyone acceleration flies up when they come from Bob because you learn how to apply force in track. We don't actually do a lot of that. You never really do parallel. I mean, it's new. I never knew anyone doing parallel before then. I didn't. Stuff like that when you're pushing something. We don't do that because we tend to do a different kind of movement. But I get now why it transfers well and what the things you need. And that's part of why I love doing it because it actually is an athlete. You know, I was 29, 30 when I started doing bobsleigh. My first World Cup was at 30 years old. And I'm learning new stuff. I'm learning new things at that age in the body that I am at 30 compared to where I was when I was 22. That, that excites me, that, that just trying to be able to grasp something new and then be a better athlete, a different athlete than you were
3: before. How, how was it changing from being in an individual event where it all just depends on yourself into a team event where if you don't produce your best, it could affect the moods of other people because you're, you're in a bob state with them. How was how it like mentally?
2: Well, I
1: always do my job. For me, I think other people, not so much, but I think n- nature wise, like naturally, for me, I, I love that. And it, I understand the difficulties though because you're now, most athletes are control freaks. We are. And I am a self proclaimed control freak. I like controlling my surrounding mind about everything I'm doing because that's what we've had to do to make it work. When you're now, you're not in control of someone else, whether they're doing something or something else. So, but you have to take responsibility of the last goal, which actually is quite hard to grasp. But the way I look at it is, is we, are, it, we win together, we lose together, here it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. you, you take that mindset on board, take the responsibility and the accountability of everything you do, whether it's result or otherwise. And you work together to make the best team because you are only as you know, strong as your weakest link. So it doesn't go do well that I'm in great, great shape and my teammate isn't, who cares? It's going to show up on it and vice versa. Mm. So for me, it was, it's quite it can be challenging, it can be difficult, but you have to look at the parameters in which it's presented for you. It's a team event. No one looks at it and goes, well, they did a really good job, they didn't. Not really. You, like you, said, you both came third or you both came last, but you did it together. And if you mm-hmm. take that on board, your, the cohesiveness of that, that relationship that you have and the way you're moving together, it, you always succeed on a level. You always have something to pull out that's successful in any learning curve, just because you have that mindset around it.
0: What were some of the team building skills that were implemented to ensure that there was cohesion um, within the team?
1: So we spend a lot of time together anyway, to be honest. like Me and my, my driver... We have been together. Honestly, I went out there 5th November and we literally just parted ways like two weeks ago before I got. So every day for the last five months, we, we you know, <laughs> eaten, slept, trained, everything together for a long Christmas we had because we couldn't come back home because of COVID and stuff. You know, we, had, we made sacrifices together. We did all that stuff is, like you said, it's, it's a bond and you actually have that bond and it actually only helps when you push someone else. You can't, a lot of people try to be selfish. And you can't really do it because you're worried about yourself over here, but you might not be the problem. Like why are you worried about you? You then need to help the person back there because it's all very well if you're trying to get over a over a wall all of a sudden and you give someone a left leg up and then they just got over the wall. They're not even coming there to give you their hand to pull you back up. Because then you're yeah. still both separated. So it's like what's the point? But it all it all boils down for me to, to integrity. And I think just because we spend so much time together and we talk a lot in the summer. We try, try and train together in bits or go and do sessions. We have to do sessions together, have a contact time. You you try and, I think, knowing the person behind the athlete is the best way for you to be better teammates. Better team. You don't have to always you know, like each other. I'm not saying actually every team is perfect. Like We like each other, that's fine. But you don't have to always do that to get the job done. But trust me, it helps. And mm. because you want to win for each other. It's not that you want to... It feels different, like you know, imagine if you and your boys there and you and you're like together, about to go and do this thing, as but apart from another guy who you don't really care about, but you're doing it because you like the sport. That's a different kind of energy, and i think about the energy you're putting in is what you're gonna get out. That like you might need to fake it and make it look like you're performing as a team, but it will always reap its ugly head in a different form because you just then suddenly blaming this person, blaming this person. It works better if you're looking at each other. I look at them from a point of view of saying. The person behind the athlete is the person I was talking to. Is this someone that, you know, are we cool? Are we bedrooms? Can we do something? Are we, are we in the levels? we have the same mindset? If we don't, what kind of things are you good at that I am not great at and vice versa? So there's things like, I'll be very honest. There's times where I can go to my teammate. I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to say it. And when she knows what I mean when I'm going, about to say something, she's like, cool, but she can take it because I'm about to tell you about yourself or tell you how it is exactly because you need to hear it. And it's not and this is all from a place of love. So you know that I'm not saying it because I'm trying to be mean. I'm saying it because I want to win. We wanna win. Yeah. Either. And I know if I'm holding you out and helping you up to win, that's how we win. We can't win on our own.
3: These are all, all things that you said are things that could be used in every walk of life. So not just in in team sport it could be used in the workplace these are everything you've mentioned all connects if you are in a team and you've got you've got a task and you've got to complete something you're only as strong as your weakest link
2: yeah
1: definitely i'm glad you said that hope there's any corporates listening
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) for any kind of um you want to put me forward just, just contact you guys, contact me and then, <laughs> they'll get in touch with me. <laughs> no, yeah, I, don't, I totally agree, which is, which is why athletes do well in, in any industry or any, the cross-sectional the, the skills, transferable skills that we have from doing your trade, work, everything, in business, in investment, anything mm. you do, it's because we know, the, we l- learn the process of success and it doesn't mean that you are always successful, but understanding what those, all of those parameters and factors are is the journey of being successful. You ain't gonna get it right all the time, but understanding there's a goal. How are we gonna get there? We're gonna make small goals. Okay, we're gonna have a plan. We're gonna ch- are they achievable? Cool. Then we go to day to day things. We, we can break things down with the yeah. mindset of also being resilient because you know you, it's not gonna go well. You had a target and then you like didn't get it and you had a dip. So how are you gonna get back up? How do we get back yeah. to the task? Because the, the goal is still there. By the way, just because you dropped there in that little sp- space there that you are, the goal is still there. So it's not gone anywhere. It, are you going to quit? Because we can leave it right now. <laughs> it's like, but if you want it, you just find another way. And that's what we have. Yeah, that's definitely what we have.
0: Earlier in the podcast, you you referenced Atto Bolden saying that Safa Powell doesn't have the personality of a sprinter. So my question to you is, can you give me the personality of a bobsleigh participant? Oh,
2: girl.
1: Okay, personally, a, a bobsled participant or a bobsled or a successful Bobsled they are they different things? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Let's
0: re- yeah, let's rephrase
1: people that. People just real, me, I probably <laughs> to Um, I think what would take that you said for a successful I'd say successful Stayer. yeah it's very similar to an athlete in many many ways like the generic you know you've got to be disciplined you've got to work hard got to be resilient um because and and it's the same for very different reasons because the environments that we're in Stay, is very harsh so often when someone wants to join Stay, I always go cool come along it's great it's a great sport it's you know it's formula one on ice pretty much there's so much Mm. involved it's insane However, it's you got to have the thick. You gotta have thick skin. You cannot be soft out here because you get chewed up alive. Because you're away for long periods of time, you've got stuff to be at home. You know, there's it's very harsh environment. It's minus twenty. Like, who wants to be in minus twenty? No one. Oh. Like, some of the time, like, how you do that? That would crack people as it is. I'll go with Sam Lerick. The thing was minus twenty six this year. I uh, we literally wow. got there, drove, pulled up. The car and I'm like, I'm not getting out of car, I'm not getting out of the car. Out of the car <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not normal environment. So you have to be you have to be tough. And when I say tough, I'm talking about real the real grit. Because unfortunately, like you said, if you want to be successful, the only alternative to not finding a way is quitting, is losing, is failing. And you only fail actually when you stop. Like until you quit, you fail because you come back again. But you just have to keep, you have to be persistent. You have to be, you have to grind. But you also, what i learned to be persistent, Bob's Day, is that you have to look at things from the point of view is what does it take to succeed? Not what you think it takes to succeed. Because yeah. coming into Bob Stay as a sprinter, you don't, I have all the necessary physical attributes that I need. But I'm not less, I'm necessarily the, the best pusher in the world. So I'm looking still at myself. How do I be better? Because I'm super powerful, super fast, like, there's all these parameters. So why are we not doing whatever we're doing? Because there's something else there. There's another small part of it that you need to tap into. And yeah. you, as a professor, you need that because it's a very unique sport. Not many people get to experience it. The many people do it. It's harsh in your body. But also in your mindset because of the environment you're in. And if you don't have the mindset to deal with it, honestly, it it's you. And some people in there 18 months later, they ain't there no more because they don't, they don't like it. They're like, it. it's harsh. Because it is hard. But it, that, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's not about your bag, then it's fine. You don't have to put yourself in that situation. But if you did want to be like a successful bobsledger, you'd have to find a way.
3: It says, it says a lot about your mentality because there, there is a lot of... There's a lot of sprinters that have moved to bobsleigh at some point, and not many of them lost. So it, it kind of says, it kind of shows how strong mentally you have to be. Because, yeah, it's not, yeah, winter training in athletics is, is one thing, but training on that ice, <laughs> <'cause> that's another <laughs> thing. i winter training
1: all the time, mate. Like, training, like, training, I'm like, what training? We don't even have a track. Like, I'm running on concrete most days, and sliding on snow it's when do you know what I mean like it's it's mm-hmm. you, like yeah you can't find it you ain't training on the track really with spikes don't forget all of that but remember you're still trying to do the same job as a sprinter really a 60 meter sprinter is what you are you're, you're a combination mm-hmm. of a six meter sprinter and a weightlifter that's essentially what you are as an athlete you have to find the combination of those two because they're the best things but that's what's great about said you don't have to be a, a runner Someone, you can be there's throwers in there that are sick there's people that came mm-hmm. from the, the services that are sick because it's about the grit. It's about the determination. It's about the, the power. It's not translation of if you can run technically well. There's some people that, mm. that can't run at all that I'm just like, what is going on there? How that foot back there and is you're still with, with <laughs> Because you're applying force. So no one cares yeah. that your foot is back there in sprinting. You can't get away with that. Because mm. You'll find out you will not make it to the finish line no. if your foot is up praying to Jesus up there. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus don't want to see your back bottom, <laughs> <He doesn't laughs> the bottom of your foot. It should never be there. But in in, in bob you can get you
0: can get away with it in in the early stages um, was there any self doubt when you did finally join um, the bobsleigh team because you mentioned about the harsh weather. I know for me, one of my biggest issues with the UK is the weather. But yeah, it only gets to minus two, minus three. Now comparatively, you're now talking about minus twenty. How are you dealing with that? And did that did self doubt occur that, nah, do you know what? This is long. I don't wanna do this. No, yeah.
1: Um no, not because of, for example, things like the weather. It, it yeah. ever, I would never know I would never only not do something if yeah, like you said, if I wasn't having fun. And generally, yeah. I have fun because I am a, I'm a, I'm a gritty person. I am tough. Like I can you know those winter days you spent spoke about Edwin, like you know, winter mm. training in mm. is brutal. No one mm. wants it's raining all the time, it's windy all the time, you're wet. And for most months of the year you're doing that and we do the same thing there. So you you find a way to get it done in a chat like you do because the summer time yeah. like our off season is now. So when it's summer now, it's when I'm doing my winter training. For me, it's complete complete reverse. But you, 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 like you said, you, you find a way to get it done in Trap. So you'd find a way to get it done in Bob if you so wanted to do it, if you to, chose to do that. But I actually remember the first time I went on the camp with team, And I remember I was in the middle of a mountain, mate. I ain't never seen a mountain. Listen, I was raised in Catford. There ain't no mountain. <laughs> <laughs> mountain had snow on it. And I'm standing there. Honestly, in the middle of the village. Where there's a mountain right there by the Alps in, in Sessier. And I stood there and Joe was there actually, Joe, Karen was walking there there. And I'm Joe, Joe, I looked at my Joe, I was like, Joe, why are we here? And I, was like, I just looked at him. And he was like listen, he's typing. He's like, I know. I, like, I know. And I was like, mate, like listen, as well, like, we're black people. We are from very warm climates.
2: <laughs>
1: Even if I was raised in England, the blood is still hot. Do you know what i mean? like,
2: It's just so
1: different for us. And we looked at each other and I'm like, bro, well, I said, bro, we're not meant to be here, you know?
2: <laughs> this
1: is not the weather for us. <laughs> and he said to me, I know. Because already had the epiphany I had. Like, why are we here? But you know what? I looked at it and I went, this is a beautiful thing. Because we are not from this kind of country. This is not something that you know we would do. People, people like us would do. But we are out here doing it, and we're doing it well. You know, he's an Olympic medalist now. He, you know, the opportunity for you to be an Olympic medalist. I don't care if it's in bobsleigh, curling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
2: gonna
1: say, if You're going to be an Olympic medalist? what's it. it? You don't care. I don't care. I'm stinging in your face. I don't care. It's an opportunity to do that. You know, to to have that experience and do that at a level, and it's still and it's elite sport. It's it's amazing, but. In elite sport, like you said, not everything, not everything, not everything is great. And mm. like you said, the weather, the, the fact that you've got to do the work, all that stuff, it's very, it's very challenging. And that's why it all boils down to the kind of athlete you are, and whether it is that you are gonna, is it going to be worth the sacrifice you're gonna make by being in that environment.
3: When you look at athletes um, from all sports, what, which athletes stand out to you in terms of their mindset, their mentality? Mm.
1: That is hot. I mean, I, I mean, I'm biased. I think athletics is arguably the hardest sport in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, even in bobsleigh, people always go to me like, to them, it's like, wow. They're like, wow. Because they, they, they love, like a lot of them, if they're athletes, they love to be at the level, like being Olympian. A lot of them aren't Olympians. Another girl who's in Belgium, she was an Olympian in heptathlon for Belgium at, at the game, at, in the summer games. And to them, like it's an accolade like, oh my gosh, you're, because you're like a, a gladiator, you're a supreme being in in a in an arena. So to me I think athletics can be one of the hardest sports in the world because of the culture around it. Not so not it's very high level. Mm -hmm. There's no other sports, for example, and I'll never take it from any other sports team sports, but but there's a lot of sports that you could be you can get away with eighty percent because you can especially some team sports. If you're eighty percent you're good to go athletics you will show up of that you need to be 95 or above or don't get on the line because yeah. if you aren't in that place but physically mentally it's going to amplify in your performance you're going to see it show up hugely in whatever you've done in your result so i would argue that it, it it's very it's a very tough sport no there's there's and i wouldn't want to i don't like to critique people because everyone's changing. it you know how say mm. these footballers here or this, day. I don't want to throw stuff out because I—that's not my—that's not my lifestyle, and I've never experienced. It's hard to say. Me, I've experienced it. Just like being in Bob's Day is very difficult because of, like you said, the environment. You can imagine surrounding. I'm just like some people. I'm like come out, because some of them say they want to do it, and until they come out, they do not like. I said you do not like Bob's Day it you've gone down one. because trust me, it you—it's a different experience. You ne- you cannot explain the feeling of it of your body being folded in half. By four, five G Gs, you don't know what that feels like. Like, <laughs> it, ain't, but it ain't nice. But it's also <laughs> exhilarating Like, you come out and like, oh my gosh, adrenaline, just like wow, up Like, am I going? Am I go. Like, I want to go again. I don't even know. <laughs> it's like it's like that. So I think obviously it's hard because it's got a very similar com- com- like it's a very difficult combination that you have got to deal with. But I still would say, obviously, going from track that just because of finite details, you have to be to be at the top level there's not really much room for you not to be able, you have got to achieve. You have to find a way to bridge the gap for that last 5% to be able to be at top level, where some, I think, you can get away with it.
0: If you was to go back to South London and you was going to go back to a school mm-hmm. and you're speaking to Year 11 kids and predominantly, predominantly black, what would you say... To persuade them to just try bobslaying
1: Okay, so there'll be a lot of reasons why he can't.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I would just put the the film on Cool running because I don't know who don't want to be in it after watching it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Even if
1: you didn't know, and these kids don't know about the Cool Runnings member because
2: yeah. they're
1: too young. Like they don't yeah. know about that. I'll tell them they'll be like, where? Cool who? They know. So. I would I would honestly show them obviously, iconically what it is that we would know of what Bob's Day is because it is very different to that the film, but it gives you a taste of actually the, the, how exciting it is and kind of everything that works around it. But I would honestly tell them as like being black youth, in a very small community of people that would never experience someone like that or that environment. That you know I would just tell them that you know the world is a, is lots bigger. In Catford, like it's yeah. very large. <laughs> it doesn't mean that where you are is not beautiful. Like I love my hometown, my dad, my mum lists that that you know. I love being I'm very proud of South London, I think most South Londoners are. But and everyone's got in London's got their own little patch. They're like, yeah, Yeah. So I mean, South London anymore, I live in North. My friend's like, whatever, he ain't been there for like twenty years. <laughs> but I would say to them that doesn't mean that where you are isn't beautiful, but the reason why I would say try Bob's Day, because number one, I know that you do not know what you do not know. You do not know that you don't like something unless you try it. Don't tell Absolutely. me you don't eat, I don't eat apples, and I don't really like fruit, I don't really like apple so Don't tell me you don't like it if you haven't tried it, because you try it first, then you will decategorically know whether you like it or not. What yeah. you like? Try something new, because it's a challenge. Second of all, you get to do stuff that Many people ain't gonna get an opportunity to do it in their lifetime. Who ain't gonna wanna do that? I'm like, why would you not wanna take up an opportunity to do something that people haven't done before? Because yeah. you'll be one of the first. Like, I'm always looking at being the first. Like, I'm just like, why not? I'm gonna be the first. Why, why not? Because you can't, like, it's very difficult to, to be what you can't see. So if I said you can be the person that they're looking at, because they're like, wow, I've had the young people telling me, oh, my daughter's home, she couldn't stop doing my Bob's Day, now she wants to do it. Because she didn't know what Bob's day was till I came to the school. I just mm. see me zoom on the screen and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" And then she's met me and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" She does them. Then she's so excited. There's a little. She's excited about something that wasn't even on her social sphere. And when mm. I was in Catford, I told them when I was in Year Eleven, it wasn't on my social sphere either. Neither was being graduating. Neither was Olympic Games. Neither was being a British Record Holder. But hey, I did all those. I did all those things. But you have to make a move first. Try it. And there's no harm in you saying, "You know what? I'm going to try. It. If I don't like it, I can stop. I'm try. It, I can tell. I don't
2: have to do it ever again. But you're not going to know unless you try. That's scary. <laughs> and it's always good to say
0: <laughs> Wow. Montel, that was... Brilliant. Really, really, really good. As I said, um, during the podcast, the energy that you bring is so intense, but yet it's so, so positive. And I know that our listeners are definitely going to get something from it. So we really, really appreciate you coming on and really telling us about your fascinating story, the transition from athletics into bobsleigh we really feel that um it's quite inspiring and we're really looking forward to listeners um not just listening to it but actually you know actually gaining something from it and maybe actually putting some actionable um things in place for them so yeah it's really 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 good so yeah um Montel you gotta come on again so (laughs) (laughs) Well, <laughs> we would absolutely love to have you back on so yeah oh, um, but yeah we really 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 thank you from the bottom of our heart if anyone wants to get in contact with you um, I guess you can plug away how can they get in yeah, contact with fine. you <laughs> Obviously,
2: the is always- but all my, all my <laughs> social media handles
1: are the same Monty crap Star. Not sure if I've changed that yet because everyone knows me by it, but it's multi-trackstar or just it's my full name at gmail.com if you want to email me for any any reason. But just DM me. Honestly, I'm 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 about.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Okay, guys, if you are a new listener, welcome aboard. If you are a regular listener, thank you for listening and continue to share and pass it on to others. Until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and bless.